0: Recording. Parsha's Baalosicha. Amazing Parsha. We now we're in the thick of the uh, the traveling of the Jews in the desert, and uh, this is where a lot of the uh, I don't want to call them infamous stories because God decided to to, to that they should be be recorded. But uh, a lot of stories that are hard to understand, and there's a lot there. And let's um, see what we can find. Um, One interesting circumstance we do find is that Moshe, um, he needed to not be married anymore because he was the only person in history this ever happened to that he was always on call uh, for God. Uh, he talked to God the way we're speaking. I'm speaking right now, and you and I could speak if we were in person. And we know being in a relationship uh, requires a person's of uh, being um, available. And he was no longer able to do that. So he certainly loved his wife, and uh, he loved. loved it, but but he, you know, for his particular role in the world, he needed to be 100% available. And he couldn't do that, and it wouldn't be fair to her anymore so uh they separated and you know now everyone understood this you know it certainly is a you know, an unusual move and miriam his sister and her, her and the other sibling aaron who were of the loftiest levels with the most amazing of intentions kind of discussed it just amongst themselves they said you know what Maybe Moshe's uh, taking this a little bit too far, this spirituality thing, this God thing. You know, you think he can't, he can't manage relationships and God. And and it was, and again, again, like we were, we're told to understand these stories of these amazing people, that they're not making pithy, uh, petty mistakes the way someone like myself would. Uh, it's a very high-level story and very, very, uh, um, you know, exacting because of the high level that they're on. But it was considered uh, an offense on Miriam's part for for saying that, and it's actually the source in the Torah where uh, there's a um, idea of every day remembering that story as a way to remind us to not to to, to not speak uh, ill of others, not to say lashon So at that point, when God comes to the defense of Moshe. Is a famous line where it says, Moshe anav adam. Moshe was the humblest of any man. To ever, he was the humblest and he will be the humblest man to ever live. And then one discusses this, and specifically I'm mentioning uh, the and the Hemak Is What does that mean? You know, he's certainly, the you know, was pretty... Uh, you know who he knew. He was a great. He was a great leader, a well-known leader. You know, he, he certainly knew more than really anybody. So, like, usually, don't, not, doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with uh, being humble. And what it says is really obvious, but is a very important point that the Torah brings out again and again. That what the definition of humble, at least from the Torah's perspective is not that you don't know who you are you're not self-effacing in that way it's that you know who you are and precisely from the fact that you know who you are with that knowledge you it doesn't go to your head and it doesn't go to your head because you realize that it's all a gift from god it's a gift from god if you got good brains that's from God. You got good energy, that's from God. Yes, you do, you take those gifts that God gives you, but you understand that you know you're you know everyone has their pack that they their deck of cars they get from God, and then and, and it doesn't make me better than you. And that's what being humble is. But but it but it's it's a person needs to know who they are because there's many situations where a person will act more appropriately or more uh, commonly, they won't act inappropriately if they know who they are. And that is a very important thing in relationships. So often a person doesn't uh, do well in a relationship because they don't realize they're not valuing themselves uh, enough or properly. But usually when you value yourself, you value, you value someone else, you treat someone the way you'd want to be treated. And another interesting Point this week's Torah portion discusses. So, remember, the Jews traveled for 40 years in the desert. How do they know? They didn't have, didn't have a GPS. They didn't have an itinerary. It was actually, they didn't even have a heads up. It was a very simple process. There was this heavenly cloud from God. And when that cloud would move, the Jews would move. And when it would stay put, the Jews would camp. And it was kind of, in their mind, erratic. But what happened would be They would be a lot of times it wasn't the way they would think would make sense. They would be at a camp stop and it'd be like so uncomfortable or not very ideal. And they would be stay there for a while. And sometimes it would be the most fantastic place that they were camped and it would be short and it would be, could be in the middle of the night. It could be in the morning, whenever it was, it was, it, it was, it was completely trusting in God that this was the best thing for them. And it was. And the Torah spends a, a, a I would say, a disproportionate amount of verses um, discussing this idea. You know, seems like a pretty straightforward idea. They followed the cloud, but it gets into all the details with the cloud went, that it didn't go. So, the, um, it's, uh, wait, one second here. Um, So what's so impressive and why are we spending so much time on this instructions about when the Jews started and when they stopped with the clouds, it seems very wordy for the Torah's general uh, way they do things. And I saw a very, I think it was turned out by friend, a very uh, powerful message. And he says, you know what? It is impressive. A person day in day out to just do and trust the system of god or really of anyone and just to 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 kind of just go with the flow it's it's a very very amazing thing and really we all have this in life because well we don't have clouds that are there you know that we see but there's a lot of things in life that are kind of thrown at us and we have to just respond and We can respond by fighting realities or ignoring realities or being upset about realities, or we can flow with it and and we can accept it. We can be present with it. And that we know is certainly a much more productive and healthy way. And certainly this applies to people in our lives. You know, um, people in our lives, everyone's got limitations and idiosyncrasies and we can B- keep banging your head of the wall and try to change people, which basically never works. You know, maybe a little thing here and there, but really not. So that is a lesson we learn from the Jews with the clouds. Was well, one time a chassid chassid went to his the Grand Rebbe and said, "You know what? I'm depressed." And the Rebbe said, "What are you depressed for?" It was very hot outside, so he said. Rabbi said, "Is it too hot? Is your air conditioning broken?" He said, "No, no, no, no. It's 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 the it's the Torah portions. Then all these weeks, these weeks in the summer, you read the Torah portions. They're so, uh, they're so they're, they, they all, the, all these stories where the Jews messed up and then they get punished and and so what's uh, you know if, if, and we know how great that generation was. So what's it going to be for us?" And, well, the Rebbe started off by explaining to him that you should know the, the, the Jews really were, were on a very high level at that time, and they were God expected a lot from them, so God would expect less from us, and he, he, there's a lot more to the story. But the point I wanted to bring out from there is that that's just a good thing to know, to not get depressed during these Torah portions. But a different point is that um, you can tell a lot about a person, that like what bothers them. Like this person took their life so seriously, like, you know what? I learned from that story, and I, I see what's expected of me. You know, if a person gets depressed from something that's not important, you know, it could say a lot about a person, like what, what, what means a lot to them. So obviously we shouldn't be judging other people, but – Pay attention to yourself. See what bothers you, and 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 you want to keep, as you know, uh, you know, big, bigger people, bigger things bother them, and and not to mean like big things in the grand scheme of things, but things that are important. And uh, important things don't have to be big either, but they're but they're important. So, as I mentioned earlier, there was this uh, episode where Miriam said some sort of washinhora, some sort of. Bad talk about her brother, and the Chavetz Chaim has us learning out some uh, lessons from this story to help us in our quest of talking nicely about people. And he says, "You see how was Miriam got punished. She, she, she. The whole they had to wait a week for her to recover from her. She had got saras, the leprosy, which saw uh, quote unquote leprosy, and we learn from here." That, first of all, she um, spoke about someone who we just said is the humblest of men. He probably didn't even mind. So, if that's considered bad, certainly when we talk about stuff and someone who in an inappropriate way, uh, and most likely they are going to mind. Second of all, even if it's someone who you have done many favors for, you can't talk about them and certainly Miriam Moshe owed his life to Miriam and even if it's done so in a private way here you had just Miriam talking to her brother they both loved him and lastly that the mistake that's what she said was not even that it was something bad what she said was that if Moshe would have been on a higher level then maybe she would understand why he's doing that but he's not even on that level so and so, even if what you're saying is not even objectively bad, you're just saying it's relatively bad. So, you see how careful we have to be to not say really anything bad about anybody. Um, so, how does Moshe respond to this? He finds out that his sister, on her level, badmouthed him, and she gets this illness because of it. What is Moshe's response? Famous prayer. Kel no refund no law, please God, please heal her. Now that's an amazing thing. That here you have someone who did something to hurt you. The appropriate response when someone hurts you, again, you have to think of situations where things are unhealthy and and, and abusive. That obviously exceptions need to be dealt with appropriately. But as a rule, when someone hurts you, um you, the, the proper response is, is just to help them, uh, you know, it's not to hold grudges, help them a little bit more. So it says that, you know, we're talking a lot about speech and. You know, sometimes, you know, it's hard to get our act together to talk appropriately um, if the focus is on what not to do. So sometimes maybe it'd be helpful to see if we realize how beneficial it is to talk positively. And there's so many stories about this, but I'd like to share with you one. The story is that there was once a man, rabbi. Who worked in South America? I believe in Argentina. And in Argentina, though, they think believe there still are these huge um, slaughtering houses. And they import, they bring in all these rabbis from, uh, I imagine, largely from Israel, but probably all over the world. And what they do is they slaughter animals all day. And there was, and there was a security guard at the entrance. It was one way in, one way out. And one day at the end of the production, the owner walks out, and he's about to lock up and say goodnight to the security guard. And the security guard says, we cannot lock up. We cannot lock up. We cannot lock up because a certain rabbi, uh, I, I, he didn't, I, not everybody's out. Really? Everybody's out? Huh? He said, I know that not everybody's out and the owner said i checked a bunch of time there's no one here and he goes and he goes to the whole plant and he's walking by the huge walk-in freezer and on a whim he's like you know what let's just open up the freezer and lo and behold he opens up the freezer and there was not only one rabbi but two rabbis who were very 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 grave danger of being frozen to death overnight they were locked in the freezer and they came out. Thank God they got them to the emergency room. They were saved. The owner of the plant said to the guard, how did you know? How did you know that there was that he, that he was still in there? He said, I'll tell you what. I did not know that the other two rabbis were in there. I only knew that this rabbi, because this rabbi, every single morning without fail, as he passes me by... He says, good morning, how are you? And at night, he says, have a great evening, thank you. And I know for a fact, every time he passes by, and I knew he didn't happen tonight. And that is the amazing effects of what a good, positive speech can not only save your soul, it can save your, your your actual life. Let's do one more idea for today. It says the six parsha starts off, and we talk about the uh, special menorah, the special lamp, which the Kohain, the priests, would light iron, started with iron, or coin, every day in the temple. And it discussed in the commentators why, why, what was going on over here. And this was considered a major prize for Aaron, Aaron the priest. And if you think about it, we're lighting up God's house. God doesn't need the light. God has the sun. God has the moon. What do we need? What's the, why do I need light at it all? And what's the big deal about it? So I heard this week from the principal of our school here, uh, Rabbi Goldberg, he said over a very meaningful parable. And the parable is, what's a king who had a childhood friend and he knew that he would be visiting this childhood friend? His friend was a very simple person, simple farmer. And when uh, he sent the message out that he would be visiting the area and he wanted to have dinner at his childhood friend's house, his friend got the message and was so excited that he, um, he prepared the best of his ability and put out his best, which obviously was not uh, that great, but it was the, his best. And the day finally came and he heard the entourage of the king coming. And uh, as the king was getting closer and closer, he was having second thoughts. He saw the, the pump and everything. And he's like, you know what? I just can't... This is just not good enough for a king. And he quickly unsets the table with all of his simple flatware and tables and cups. And and he just, just just takes it all off. A minute later, the king comes in a little bit surprised. And he's like, so good to see you, but I'm trying to understand, you know, you know, I was coming. Um, you know, I'm happy to see you. And I, you are my good friend. But like, you know, why? Where's... Where's dinner? He said, "I'll be honest with you." He said, "You know what? This table was set to the to the to the nines till a few minutes ago." And as you were as I saw you coming, I just said, "This is just not fitting for a king." So I took it all off. You know, I'm sure you have in the back there your uh, your royal chef uh, who can whip things up, and I'm sure you have all kinds of provisions. Let's let's do that. And he's like, "No, you don't understand. I know who you are, and I want to eat with you. I want you to use what you have, and that—that's what I want it to be like, old-time things." And the we learn from the story is this is what 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 God's message to Aaron, and by extension to you, the Jewish people, and really all of mankind, that you know God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. But he set up the world in a way that he does need us. And he wants, he's given all of us our, our assets, our abilities, our deck of cards. And he truly wants uh, from us to do what we got. Give it, give it, give it all we got. It's a great song. Um, and uh, and that's a very powerful thing for us to realize. That that uh, we don't need to wait till we get to a certain level of accomplishment, or knowledge, or assets, or position, or prestige, or connections, we just got to take what we got, and and do the best with it to become the best person that we could uh, that we that that we could be. So, a quick review over here. Talked about how the greatness of Moshe was that he recognized who he was, but it did not go to his head because he knew that it all came from God, and it was something that doesn't make him better than someone else, that he had certain things. But me, uh, we learned how, how impressive it is to, we learned from the Jews following the clouds, how a person just, you know, to, 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 to go with the flow, to accept the people and the situations that God gives us is a very happy life and a very productive life. We talked about how a person could tell what's important to them by what upsets you we learned how it's so important not to say talk badly about other people even if it's in, under the best of conditions but it's still talking bad about people is not good we learned how um the positive effects of good speech and how amazing that could be and how how uh how much how much how much uh, how can you even save your life as we heard in that story, and lastly for today, uh, we saw how you know, you know you don't need anything special. Just be who you are. That is special. That's what God wants. That's what God expects of us. And in relationship, that's actually what people expect from us. People sometimes we think, oh, if I had more money, I could buy someone this present. I can give someone this opportunity. But really, the people in our lives they just want us. And especially with those closest to us. You know, kids, spouses, parents, children, close friends. People basically have an idea of who you are. And people appreciate when you just give it all you got. The wonderful Shabbos, a little shorter this week. But been a very uh, great week, but uh, a wild week. So a beautiful Shabbos. And in fact, cherish all our relationships. Stay cool. Thanks for coming on.